This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Hi, hello. Today, y'all, we have a fun and exciting episode for you. We are celebrating Pride Month by talking about some of our favorite queer audiobooks. So we'll take a look at some of the narrators who brought our favorite queer stories to life and just share a little bit about what the book is, why we picked it, and we'll go from there. Today, joining me on the pod, I have three of my friends here at Overdrive. I've got Megan, Kate, and Holly, and we're all just bringing something different to the table each. So uh, hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Hi, Hi Joe. <laughs> hello. Who wants to start us off? I can start us off. This is Holly speaking. I will be your um, podcast narrator for the next few minutes, um, sharing some of my favorite queer audiobook titles. My first pick is Here For It um, by our Eric Thomas. You may recognize his name or voice from his Eric Reads the News column in L. This collection of essays is all about the author's personal life and experiences. So it's really quite like a memoir, which happens to be my favorite genre. I really enjoyed the earnest and heartfelt way he portrayed some serious issues surrounding race and sexuality. And he takes many, many great opportunities to infuse it all with humor. Thomas is a gay black man who attended a mostly white high school and a conservative Christian church and always had a sense of personal outsideness. His grappling with belonging and identity within many different landscapes, including the 2016 election, is bound to be relatable to many listeners and full of insight for anyone interested in giving this audiobook a go. And that was Here For It or How to Save Your Soul in America by our Eric Thomas. That sounds fantastic. Uh, we'll definitely be adding that to my to-be-read list, which in Pride Month always seems to grow maybe a little longer than usual. Megan, do you want to give us your next title? Sure. Mine came out in February. Um, so even though it is a uh, gay romance novel, all of mine are romance novels just to start because um, that's where my brain is right now. I need my HEA. And if it's not there, I'm not interested. Um, although I have read some pretty good horror recently. So uh, this came out yeah, in February. So you've got to appreciate an off June queer title. Um, it's called I'm So Not Over You by Kosoko Jackson. I believe that he was on the pod. He so sure I'm not going to labor this one too much. Um, but to say that Timothy Bell Reese, who is the narrator, did a wonderful job. And if you want just a good Southern romance with lots of, it's a, um, a missed relate, like a, the second chance romance 
and weddings and all the things that you could possibly want. Um, I totally recommend going back and listening to the previous episode. Uh, and you don't need to hear me talk about it anymore, but it is a delight. So hey, please, please, please listen to I'm So Not Over You by Kosoko Jackson. He was so much fun to talk to. He was actually my first author interview. Really? And just what a gem. <laughs> totally recommending that particular episode. Once you listen, once you listen to the book, listen to the app. It was a delight. You obviously go into much more detail than I possibly could ever do. So I'll just keep mine vague. We love a callback. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> Kate, are you ready? Your first. I'm so ready. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to recommend a book that's a couple of years old, actually. Um, but the author does have a new book that just came out that I will also plug because I love this book so much. Um, this book is called When Brooklyn Was Queer, A History by Hugh Ryan. And this is nonfiction. I've been reading a lot of nonfiction recently, which is weird because that's not my, my usual genre is like fantasy. Mm -hmm. So like this is very out of my wheelhouse, but I've been gravitating towards it. Um, Hugh Ryan uh, is like a historian, academic, and wrote this whole uh, huge history of um, the queer history of Brooklyn, New York, from um, the publication of Leaves of Grass in the 1850s, all the way up through Stonewall. So this mm. is pre-Stonewall queer history of New York, but not of Manhattan, because most of queer history of New York is centered around Manhattan. And oh, this book is fascinating just because there is a lot of queer history there. Um, it gave me a, a new appreciation for Miss Brooklyn Heights's uh, drag name choice mm -hmm. uh, because at first I was like, um, only old people live in Brooklyn Heights, and I was like, oh no, gays used to live in Brooklyn Heights. <laughs> That's actually a great a great choice. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it just you just learn so much about like uh, the famous artists of the time who came and lived in Brooklyn. It's very intersectional in terms of like sexuality. There's like references to potentially like asexual people who were prominent in like queer scenes and it's it's um queer like authorial scenes like mm -hmm. queer um literary circles and things like that i he doesn't um i want to make it clear also that he ryan does not like say like this person was asexual it's like given what we know of what asexuality is now we look back and we're like maybe this person was asexual maybe that's what's going on with them and that's why they never married or had any interest in a partner at all and like that kind of thing um but it was just so much fun and so fascinating and just like so much history is there and even then he acknowledges how much queer history is lost because of sure. what happened after the 1940s in the purity culture backlash of the 50s so it's 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 beautiful and tragic and heartrending and I Loved it. My favorite part was the part about the Brooklyn Bridge. That's all I'm gonna say. Make you go read it. <laughs> yeah, please go. Read I it. actually have an arc of his new book. Oh my uh, god! Oh. But I haven't started it yet. Like, I started just... it. I haven't finished it. The audiobook's coming out. He also reads the audiobook for oh. this one, and I assume he's going to be reading it for his new one, which is called I think The Women's House of Detention. Is yes. what it's called. I love his writing. He's super like chill. It's not going to be like a really dry, boring historical text. Like as far as I know, he uses, he uses some naughty language that's funny. Um, and it's a very entertaining read and he's a great narrator. And I'm so jealous of your arc. <laughs> My first title is Under the Rainbow by Celia Lasky. And it's narrated by Phoebe Stroll. 
so this takes place in Big Bear, Kansas. It's the kind of place where everyone seems to know everyone, or so they think. But when the national nonprofit labels Big Bear the most homophobic town in the U.S., uh, it sends a queer task force to live and work there for two years. No one is prepared, even in the slightest, of what will ensue. It's the prom if the prom was good. Uh, so still grieving after the death of her son, Linda welcomes the newcomers who will who know mercifully little about her past. Then there's the teenager Avery, who is furious at being uprooted from her life in L.A. and desperate to fit in in her new high school. She fears that it's only a matter of time before her classmates discover her mom is the head of this task force. Uh, Gabe, an avid hunter who has lived in Big Burr his whole life, suddenly feels as if he's in the crosshairs. So as tensions roil the town, catering relationships and bringing difficult truths to light, both longtime residents and new arrivals must reconsider what it means to belong. So it's warm, it's witty, uh, it's poignant, and hopefully it just kind of shows us that even if we feel like we're dealing with something that no one else has ever dealt with, uh, we have to have empathy for those of us who might still also be dealing with a few things or discovering our truths. Uh, yeah, um, that's Under the Rainbow by Celia Lasky, and, uh... That prom shade was real, right? Um, no. Until James Corden is not taking roles <laughs> from actual queer people, I will shade anything and everything he's in. What about the actual stage production and or the original Broadway cast recording? <sighs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the point is that it's unlikable, right? That's, that's yeah. the, whole, the whole point of the cast of characters. So me not liking them <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> well said well said yes. joe <laughs> and the the audio was an in a good listen the audio was enjoyable phoebe does a great job kind of uh giving characterization to each of the different people in the town and it's yeah i also love the cover art um it's a stuffed deer with a rainbow bow tie so <laughs> i think that sums up pretty well what they're you know what they're walking into and just about how well it'll go to <laughs> Love it. Holly, I'll bring it back around to you. <laughs> Finally, you know, I was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> ready to just blow through my titles. Mm -hmm. um, well, my second one is called Girlhood by Melissa Phoebos. Um, this author hooked me many, many years ago with her debut memoir, Whip Smart, um, among other things about being a dominatrix. Um, I don't know if many listeners have found that one, but um, you know, really, really not something that I was very different from any memoir um, or essays I had read before. Um, and I was hooked. <laughs> um, I found this autobiographical and investigative uh, collection of essays more relatable, but no less affecting um, than Whip Smart. And I can personally attest that growing up as a girl is frighteningly emotional and it's predicated on a lot of specific gendered expectations. Uh, which is something that the author discusses in this collection of essays. It honestly was a little hard for me to decide how to talk about this audiobook because I couldn't help but continually look inward at my own struggles and experiences as I listened to it and then as I was sort of reliving it preparing for this discussion. Um, but I think that's the sign of successful writing as well probably as a reminder for me to call my therapist. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, debunking the expectations of how we should behave in relationships and whom those relationships should be with, though, is a project that a lot of us in the queer community, especially, have been doing for years. And if there's anyone out there right now listening who needs a little encouragement that it's a project worth doing, give this one a listen. 
the author narrates her own work, um, which I know I personally prefer when I throw essays in my headphones. Um, so that's my pick, Girlhood by Melissa Fibos. I love that. And, and I'm with you when a, uh, when the author, especially for essays, personal stories, it always seems to have a little more power to it when the author is kind of telling their own tale in that way. Mm -hmm. And has also a nice reading voice. <laughs> that doesn't hurt. I'm really no. interested in that one just because like as a person who's exploring gender a little bit, that mm -hmm. sounds like something I would be able to both relate to and not relate to. And I'm really, that sounds really interesting. I'm really excited to try that one. Absolutely. I'm going to hold you to that, Kate. You got it. You got it. <laughs> well, to, since I promised to only talk about romance novels, I'm uh, going to move on to A Lady for a Duke by Alexis Hall. Oh my gosh. You, I'm so excited for you to tell me all about this. I want to read it so bad. Okay. okay. And um, the narrator of the audiobook, um, Kay Alluvian, is a transgender woman, as is the protagonist of the story, which I really, really appreciate um, like the publisher, the author, like taking that kind of detail and having the representation not only on the page, but also when you're listening. Um, and the, the she does a wonderful job. The narrator's amazing. She's great. Um, so, uh, but this is the, uh, so there is a space for queer historical romances. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people writing that, but this one is actually like, this is a, like a, an, a Hachette that's a big name. It's a big title. Um, and Alexis Hall uh, also wrote the Red, uh, Red, uh, boy, not Red, White and Royal Blue, Boyfriend Material. Sorry, getting my, getting my British gay romance novels all mixed up. Um, but Alexis Hall has gotten, is a really, really good author. And he, um, so he writes a story about Viola Carroll, who, um, when was she was on the battlefield in Waterloo was presumed dead um, and took that opportunity to end her life presenting male in order to become the woman that she always was. And uh, she, what I really also liked about this book is that it's not a story. Well, there's definitely, you know, there is some dead naming. There is some there is some pain and there is some angst around all it's not a story predicated on the difficulty of her journey as much as it is like a story of the man that she loves and how he is broken and how they can get it's still it's a romance novel you know you have the same ups and downs you would have if this was a straight romance novel of your you know your duke who's all broody and has a lot of feelings and she's going to come and fix him. That's it. It just so happens that, you know, that she's a transgender woman. And when, spoiler, when he finds out who she is, he's not angry at her for, for who she is, rather that she didn't tell him to begin with and that he thought she was dead for so long. So like, He's angry for the right reasons um, to just be like, you were super important to me and you didn't, couldn't tell me this secret. And, but also very understanding that this is her, was her own journey and her own pain, but also like Viola's family, super accepting. She uh, in her, she lives with her brother and his wife and their child. And she's just, 
Auntie Viola. Like it's super, super sweet and nice and awesome. And again, the audiobook narrator does an amazing job. She is wonderful. So it just came out a couple weeks ago. So you probably probably a line. Hopefully there's a line. Not that I'm saying I want you to wait, but hopefully there's a lot of other people enjoying it as well. Um, so if you like a Regency romance, this is the one for you. It's so good. It's so good. And a little bit spicy. I'm uh I'm gonna bring us down after Please that. Bring us that down. was we were you were the high, I'm the low. Here All right, let's be a roller coaster. Videos. Uh, I'm going to recommend In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado, Absolutely. which is horrifying, depressing, terrible, heartbreaking. Every cool cover. Wonderful cover. Beautiful <laughs> cover. Gorgeous. Um, and also more nonfiction. Like I said, I've been reading a lot of nonfiction. Lately. Yeah. Generally, it's like um, essays or or vignettes about uh, Machado's uh, relationship, which was very abusive. Um but there's also a lot of really interesting stuff she's doing with craft in this one where she's like just uh there's there's just so many like interesting little pieces it's really hard to explain it's very like artistic memoir creative memoir poetic prose kind of stuff going on so it's not like your typical nonfiction. whereas I feel like when Brooklyn was queer is pretty typical right. nonfiction. it's like a book about stuff that happened um this is like a book about stuff that happened but also in the way that you experienced it in the way that she felt it you sort of experience it with her in many ways not just in like a recitation of the facts but also like these beautiful metaphors um and and um allusions and like just similar situations that yeah. reminded her of her experience as she was going through it. Um, the abuse, uh, it's really interesting uh, if you've been through some kind of relationship that's been fraught in some way. I feel like when you read it, you read it and you're like, wow, I relate to this until there's a point where it just goes hard mm -hmm. and it hurts your soul and you're like, oh, okay, that's what's, that's, that's where it hits you. And it's, the writing is beautiful. It and the um in the audio she reads it herself, which is another layer of like this is not only this woman telling her like writing her story, she is physically telling you her story in the way that she wants to express it in a way that is so like mind a little mind bending, playing with genre, using all of these things to try to make you understand the pain of it from multiple different avenues, and I love it because. I feel like abusive relationships in queer culture is not something we really talk about. We sort of talk more about the positives that like gay marriages tend to like fail less. Um, but that doesn't mean that the negative sides aren't there, especially in a community that is so entrenched in traumas. It is important to be able to talk about them and especially for a queer woman of color to be able to talk about her abuse and talk about her pain from her partner, from her intimate partner. Um, those stories exist and those stories need to be told just as much as all of the beautiful, wonderful stories that we have of queer life because queer life is messy and it is complicated just like everyone else's life is messy and complicated. And I just, I love, I love Carmen Maria Machado in general, but like this in particular was just like, uh, it got to my heart completely. And I, it's one of my favorite books ever, honestly. And I'm so happy to read it on audio. She's so good. The audio is 
striking to say the least like yes. you could feel her pain while yes. you while you listen to it and it's yes. it's beautiful the star trek reference chapter mm-hmm. is the one that i think has held with me the longest and i don't watch star trek so that's saying something absolutely <laughs> uh sorry i have to log out early today and go listen to this <laughs> <laughs> bye guys it's you will fun. love it you will i will will trade notes i'll read girlhood you'll read in the dream house Perfect. Perfect. All right. Kate Holly book club happening this June. Yes. You got it. And I'm just going to sit in my corner and read my happy endings about people that aren't real. <laughs> Smart. Aww. You'll be, you'll feel much better for it, Megan. Kate yeah. and I will be crying the rest of the month and you'll be. I'll just be high. up in my little, <laughs> like, Ooh. my little rainbow tower. Living in the mm-hmm. dream world. Yes. yes. In We're in the dream world. house. You're in the dream world. It's great. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. I'll send you guys a uh, sparkly cupcakes or something. Thank you. We'll need, we'll need a we'll need to pick me up after that. Uh, <laughs> so my next title is uh The City We Became by NK Jemison. And this was narrated by Robin Miles, who I had the pleasure of talking to that aired yesterday. Uh, She is amazing and so talented. And if you think you haven't heard her, I would beg you to challenge that because she has narrated so many audiobooks under her name alone. And then she's also done some under pseudonyms. You've you've definitely heard Robin Miles at some point in your life and you just don't know it yet. Uh, But yes, this is The City We Became. So this is from the three-time Hugo Award-winning and New York Times bestselling author N.K. Jemisin. It is probably her most incredible novel yet. It's a glorious story of culture, identity, magic, and myths in contemporary New York City. So in Manhattan, a young grad student gets off the train and realizes he doesn't remember who he is, where he's from, or even his own name. He can sense the beating heart of the city, see its history, and feel its power. But then we make our way to the Bronx at a Lenape gallery where the director discovers strange graffiti scattered throughout the city, so beautiful and powerful, it's as if the paint is literally calling to her. Then in Brooklyn, a politician and mother finds she can hear the songs of the city pulsing to the beat of her Louboutin heels, and they're not the only ones. So uh, the, the tagline here is kind of like, every city has a soul, some are ancient as myths, and others new and destructive as children. New York, she's got six. So come and discover the people who make up the city in this interesting kind of tale uh, and love letter to New York in this city we became by N.K. Jemison. All right, Holly, do you want to give us your last title? My final title is Lie With Me by Philippe Besson. Um, Lie With Me is a beautiful little amalgamation of my favorite literary devices. It alternates between the narrator's experience as a young man and the present day of his middle age. It is maybe potentially somewhat autobiographical. It's a heartbreaking queer romance, and it's translated by Molly Ringwald. In French, the title translates to Stop With Your Lies, but the double entendre of the English title is absolutely titillating if you ask me. I prefer it. (laughs) The story of Philippe and Tomas as young men beginning a relationship in the 1980s is shrouded in secret and shame. The loneliness radiating off these two characters from hiding what they really want contrasts with the vulnerability they express when they're with each other, even though you know things won't end well. I don't want to give away too much about the juicy bits, but the time skip back to present day wraps up the novel in a way that might make you cry a little bit. I've heard some comparisons between Lie With Me and Call Me By Your Name, 
which tracks for myriad specific reasons, but also largely because the experience of closeted queer romance for young people in the 80s was so common and profound. And somehow Philippe Besson turned it into a beautiful novel. The audiobook is read by Jacques Roy, but I'm kind of surprised Philippe Besson didn't read it himself, just to add like another cheeky layer of intrigue to it being maybe potentially somewhat autobiographical. I thought that would have been really kitschy, um, but I highly recommend listening to Lie With Me this June. Also, when I saw Molly Ringwald, I was like, no, that's that, that has to somehow be yeah. a different person entirely. <laughs> like someone said, I'll pick a really subtle pen name and it's going to be Molly Ringwald. But no, it's <laughs> it's her. It is the Molly Ringwald <laughs> the one from all of your favorite like cishet 80s rom-coms. <laughs> yes. That makes it even yeah. better. She said, I'm, I'm going to take the cishet out of my description here. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> yeah. Megan, last title. Here we go. All right. Last title. Here we go. The funny thing is I just decided at the last second to change the one that I was going to talk about. Still a romance. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> but I just felt like mixing it up a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to talk about Chef's Kiss by TJ Alexander um, because I dropped sandwich on myself a few moments ago and just felt like food. Uh, so um, what's, so this is a, a rom-com uh, about a pastry chef who um, works for a food magazine um as slash food like web presence whatever as a someone who's trying to make the discerning chef come into the 21st century um so when they ask Simone who is the to be featured in some hopefully viral videos and they um that she ends up being uh paired up with Ray who is the new kitchen manager that they have um, at the Discerning Chef and uh, is non-binary. Um, and when, and I do, uh, another content warning, there's a lot of dead naming for Ray, a lot of uh, referring to Ray as she by some of her coworkers um, and uh, that, in in ways that aren't like the accidental like oh my gosh I'm so sorry like they you know the second we like, muffins I messed up like very deliberate um so not only do you have this budding romance you also do have you are dealing with coming out at work and uh the audiobook narrator is a trans man M. Grossland um, and the author T.J. Alexander is also non-binary. Um, so these are again really good representation from the author and from the narrator um, and but other than yeah not to like be like oh my gosh it's it's scary and triggering and I don't I do want people to go into that just clear-eyed it is a really really nice love story and there's a lot of really, really tasty food. So if you're somebody who enjoys a food-based romance novel, of which I have, we could do another, uh, Joe, <laughs> I'm coming back. Um, but yeah, they uh, kind of, Ray ends up being the, the, the special light hidden under the basket 
um, and makes these all these videos go viral. It's really cute. There's a lot of good, a lot of good beer, a lot of good food, and some good romance, but with that little side of sometimes people suck. Hey, that's a an important life lesson. Sometimes people suck. And as long as the person who's writing it has had these experiences and it's lending credence and a way for people who are not of the same experience to learn what it feels like to go through something like this, you know, if it's it's not harmful, if it is kind of educational and also written from a person, once again, yeah. who has experienced it, I, yeah, I think it, it's okay to lend to the story. And also, and, like, there's got to be conflict in right. the story. It's Nothing okay to have something bad happen in a book. like and, and, like, for her part, too, like, Simone does struggle a bit, too, with, and, and bumbles and does things that, that, that happen. Um, and is always very apologetic about it and willing to learn but not in a way of like teach me right per, like queer person it is your job to educate <laughs> me on how that I can best deal with you um and I I just it was just a really for being a like a classic rom-com also had a lot of layers so like an onion like oh, an onion like Shrek <laughs> Like, yes, this like book is Shrek. Shrek. <laughs> you know that. I'm so sorry. It's the first so, yeah. thing that came to mind. Yeah, a lot of layers, like, or a parfait, I believe, is yes. how you counter that, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a parfait option. I think there's a parfait option. <laughs> Why was I thinking about that scene earlier this week? Do you need a reason? I don't. Watch, I don't think I've watched Shrek since like 2003. Okay, but how many times in 2003 did you watch a Shrek? Lot. See, it's justified. <laughs> Shrek will never leave me. No. Shrek is love, Shrek is life. Literally almost said it. Yes, they should be. The Shrek's influence podcast. The Shrek, the Shrek there effect. There were 17 Shrek movies, I believe you. I've I only seen four. one and two. I think but there's I think, four or five. Yeah. yeah. Might be five. At this point. I'm just so glad that we were both there. I, and I was like, don't say it, don't say it. And then you said, it was like, okay, good, good. Yeah. I'm not the only one. You can cut this whole Shrek bit oh, out. absolutely not. <laughs> Come for the queer book recommendations. Stay for the, Stay Shrek. For the Shrek content. Oh. The episode that I'm on is the one where we talk about Shrek. <laughs> talk about I Shrek. always end up talking about Shrek with people. Katie, <laughs> your last book, please. Happily. <laughs> it's Shrek. It's Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> it's the novelization of Shrek's 1 through 17. <laughs> the queer history we all need. <laughs> My final uh, book for us today is uh, more of a more of my usual reading tastes, which is uh, fantasy. Uh, it's called, and you've probably heard of it. <laughs> it's it's called Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir, narrated by Moira Quirk, which I think is fantastic. I love her name. I love her. She's an amazing narrator. Um, this book is a locked room mystery, sci-fi fantasy. Like I don't usually go for sci-fi very much, but it is so far into sci-fi that it becomes more of a fantasy sci-fi situation. So it's like there are spaceships, but yes. also there's like magic. There are uh, lesbian necromancers in space and it is so much fun. The writing is super irreverent and like, it's not taking itself too seriously, but it is taking itself seriously trying to make you be like wait what <laughs> um and it it works i 
I think that is probably the part where some people will either like or not like this book is that the writing is just very distinctive. And if you don't like it, you just don't like it and that's okay. Sure. But if you do like it, it's going to hit all your buttons. If you liked Buffy, you're going to like this, uh, that kind of vibe. Um, Gideon is our main character. She's just like a butch lesbian who is here to swing a sword for her uh, evil friend slash enemy Harrowhark, who is the tiniest, angriest, craziest little magician you've ever met, who does bone magic. She pulls up these skeletons to play a prank on Gideon. It's so good. <laughs> the I plot of this is that there's a locked room mystery and a monster. Mm. And we haven't even like I there's so much going on in this. There's all this lore, the 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 setting, the world building is really incredible. The second book, uh Harrow the Ninth, is very good. The third of the they they expanded the series, it was only gonna be three books, and now it's gonna be four. So Nona the Ninth is the one that's coming out right near my birthday. Very excited. For you. <laughs> Love that for me. <laughs> um, and it's it's just really funny, but all the characters are so interesting. And she's doing something with fantasy that hasn't been done in a while. It's very original. It's very different. It's very quirky. Um, and Moira Quirk is an amazing narrator. She just like, everyone's voice is very distinctive and uh, she also narrates the second book, which I'm going to give just this little thing that her narration is absolutely part of the performance of the second book that oh. like you, I think I legitimately think that listening to the audiobook is better than reading it in print just because sure. you learn things about the story from her narrative performance that you probably, you would, it would be easier to ignore in print. Mm -hmm. Whereas I was listening to it, I was like, wait, she's doing that voice what's going on? What does that mean? And it was fascinating. And I loved it. And my jaw dropped. I, this whole, the Lock Tomb series is amazing. It's so wonderful. Gideon the Ninth is really funny. The ending will shock you. Mm. I, I love that I have the opportunity to say probably my favorite sentence. Uh, I love every one of the words you just said. Yes. <laughs> like everything you described is like mm -hmm, sci-fi so hard that it becomes fantasy. I was in when you said that. Uh, I think maybe the most important question, is it the same narrator for the entire series, as you're aware? Thus far, yes, because there's only two books okay, out. Two I will okay. have to check if she's um, slated to do Nona the Ninth. I assume she is because so. it's like it got really like it was it was kind of like niche popular when it first came up. It mm -hmm. got pretty big. So I think she's probably going to be doing the whole series. I will riot if she is not because she's yeah. so good. I, I think this is the moment to pause and be like, I can't stand listening to a series when the narrator switches like oh 12 different times. Yeah. So I, I I assume they'll keep her. She was so good. And like, yeah. oh, she is going to be the narrator for the third book. Yes, oh confirmation. And Thank at that God. point, she's got to do the fourth. So. Yes, there's no way. There is no <laughs> no narrator yet listed for the fourth book, but it also does not come out until yeah another year October twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was going to be this big gap between Harrow and Electo, which is book four, but then they were like, "Just kidding, we're doing Nona," and I was like, "Yes, oh, I, it's oh, it's so amazing." I laughed, I howled laughing. There is a nun pizza left beef joke in this series, and if, I will not tell you when it is. If I. <laughs> Wasn't gonna read it already. <laughs> hey, I am near tears. If if none pizza left me. The second book, I don't know if you're gonna keep this, but the second book 
asks the question is, what if God was just a random millennial guy? <laughs> it's no, it's funny. It's real funny. I thought you were just going to quote Spy Kids. Do you think God stays in heaven? <laughs> <laughs> this God, no, he's like, he wants to be your bud. He's like, wants to play catch out back and also maybe take a nap. He wants you to eat your lunch. Every millennial ever. Oh yeah. And then, he, yeah. I love it. It's the best series. I love it. It's so funny. And the series one more time for us. Gideon the Ninth uh, is the first book in the Locked Tomb series by Tamsin Muir. Perfect. I can't wait. I will be pushing everything off of its order to start. Yes. <laughs> so my last book, and then I'm sneaky. I do have some honorable mentions. Uh, <laughs> my last book is Getting Clean with Stevie Green by Swan Huntley, narrated by Emily Tremaine. And at 37, Stevie Green has had it with binge drinking and sleeping with strange men. She's confused about her sexuality and her purpose in life. When her mother asks her to return to her hometown uh, to help her move into a new house, she's desperate enough to say yes. The move goes so well that Stevie decides to start her own decluttering business. She stops drinking. She hires her formerly estranged sister, Bonnie, to be her business partner. She rekindles a romance with her high school sweetheart, Brad. Things are better than ever, except for the complicated past that Stevie can't seem to outrun. Who was responsible for the high school scandal that caused her to take a nosedive uh, 20 years earlier? Why is she so secretive about the circumstances of her father's death? Why are her feelings for her ex-friend Chris so mystifying? If she's done drinking, then why can't she seem to declutter the mini wine bottles from her car? A winsome, fast-paced read, Getting Clean with Stevie Green, is about coming to terms with who you are, resolving the pain of your past, and of course, accepting the truth of your life in all its messy glory. Oh, that sounds so good. Right? It's... I think that's my autobiography, actually. <laughs> <laughs> The the great part about Emily Tremaine, the narrator, is that she, I, I feel like you get the energy like off the rip. She almost falls what feels like right in line with the energy of the story. And she really embodies Stevie super well. And it's, it's kind of like if Marie Kondo ha had a little more like American sass to her, mm -hmm. that's kind of where this goes. If Marie Kondo just had a wild ride in an opposite direction is probably more likely to <laughs> her. <laughs> If Marie Kondo was a mess. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, and then I'm just going to sneak these two honorable mentions in. They are books I have mentioned on the pod before, but some of my favorite audiobooks of recent years, of course, the first one is The House of the Cerulean, The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune. I have re-listened to this audiobook so many times and I listened to it for the first time like last year so just a shout out there if you want like umbrella academy but like better uh, there you go uh mm -hmm. and then harvey firestein's brand new memoir which was on my books that i was excited to read uh, i was better last night harvey firestein and he is the one who narrates it you have to love his voice and mm -hmm. of course with time it's gotten even more exactly Bradley. his voice yeah <laughs> um but I think it's so worth hearing his experience directly from him and it was kind of nice to have him like whisper in my ear for a couple hours so <laughs> just uh just two little ones I had to sneak in there that I've already given time to but you know if I'm talking about some of my favorite queer audiobooks you know just can just I sneak in there. the new David Sedaris Absolutely. happy go lucky and pretty much everything by David Sedaris 
<laughs> he also always narrates his own stuff. Mm-hmm. He once gave me a card, a little business card at one of his book signings that said, stop talking. And it is the best advice I've never taken. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, since Megan and I have both done it, Kate, Holly, any that you have burning in your pocket that you want to throw out as well? Uh, the ones that I have as my, they were my backups, my backups, <laughs> just in cases. Uh, I was ready just in cases, um, were um, Not Your Father's Son by Alan Cumming, which I love. Oh. He, he narrates that, his book, all, speaking of beautiful voices. Absolutely. Yeah. If Inaculate. you can listen to that without weeping, you're I didn't dead. weep, but I did cry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my other one is actually what I'm reading right now, which is the new edition of Gender Outlaw by Kate Bornstein, oh. which I thought her name was Kate Bornstein for years, and yeah. then she said it in the audiobook as Kate Bornstein, and I was like, well, I been educated <laughs> um, don't you love that uh yeah uh it's great so far that I also have already cried at but I'm only like 15 percent in <laughs> so I love it. it's really good it's really like it's just she's just sort of talking talking gender it's fun it's good stuff the story we all need talking gender talking gender yeah Holly anything from you anything you wanted to throw out there that we didn't let you um, that you didn't let me. Um, <laughs> I did recently um, listen to Love That Story, um, Jonathan Van Ness's new collection of essays. Yeah, um, surprise, surprise, are. right? Some uh, some personal essays coming from me. Um, but that's just like, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's compact. It's not a lot. It's pretty much what you'd expect from him. But mm-hmm. after um, his what is this podcast called? They made a Netflix show of it too. Getting Curious. I love Getting Curious with JVN. Um, yeah, I just, I really like to, I feel like I'm getting to know him more and like, you know, his evolution of like, where, you know, being um, informative and sharing all this stuff about gender and identity and also like bugs and stuff that are, you know, in his Getting Curious um, podcast, just like really, really interesting, a fun romp. Um, and he, he cracks me up. My all-time favorite um, queer audiobook that I've ever listened to in my life. Overdrive does not currently have the audio oh. rights to. Yes. Um, it's called A Little Life by Hani Yanagihara. Yes. And let me tell you, that book changed the way I functioned in my life while I was listening to it because it was just so affecting. It was actually very hard to listen to at times. Um, so you can't get it from overdrive.com at the moment, but it is on CDs. If you want to put, um, 42 CD discs <laughs> into your car, um, just changer. <laughs> it's still available, you know, get yeah. it. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you to Holly and Kate and Megan for joining me today to talk about their favorite queer audiobooks and letting me share some of mine as well. Remember, June is Pride Month and Audiobook Month, so we're double celebrating today. It's my favorite month for two reasons, Ben. <laughs> also my birthday month. Three See? reasons. Well, thank you everyone so much for joining us today and listening to us as we gushed over some of our favorite queer audiobooks. Remember, you can find these wherever you like to get your books, but if you loved this episode, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media. We're at ProBookNerds on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And then, of course, if you want to reach out to Jill, Emma, and I, you can send us an email, professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Thank you all so much for joining us today, and happy reading! Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. 
Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Thank you.